1: For our feature presentation. If there's anything we've ever done that I'm particularly proud of, I, w- I would have to say that the uh, perpetuation of the greatness of the Raiders. If we just do nothing but sit there and go 4, 24, 27, 32, you know what we keep talking about upstairs is we better get four foundation football players, and we, we define foundation as talent and football character. That's what we want. we guys that love the game. And if we don't move up, down, or anywhere, man, we better get four of those guys. Now let's get down to town business right quick. The Oakland Raiders select Cleland Thorell. Defensive end, wow. Clemson. With the
0: 24th pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Oakland Raiders select Josh Jacobs, running back, Alabama. With the 27th pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Oakland Raiders select Jonathan Abram, defensive back, Mississippi State.
1: With the 40th pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Oakland Raiders select Trayvon Mullen, DB Clemson. And with the 106th pick of the 2019 NFL Draft, the Oakland Raiders select Max Crosby, defensive end eastern Michigan. Are you that are you that guy number 92 yes. that's raising hell? Yes sir, I'm ready. Yes. Will you come out, hey will you come out here? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm, ready. <laughs> I'm ready, I'm the ready. I'm guy, I promise. Dude, I've been watching your tape all fall. I've been grabbing Gruden and yelling at him about Mad Max Crosby. Hey, I'm gonna turn the card in I'm gonna make you an Oakland Raider and I want you I want you to help me now we got we got Cleveland Farrell in the first round. I'm getting Mad Max Crosby in the fourth round. And I'm expecting you to come in here and lead the league in effort, brother. Hey, Isaiah. Yes. This is John Gruden with the Oakland Raiders. How you doing?
2: I'm good. How about you?
1: You want to be an Oakland Raider? Yes, sir. We're fired up. I'm going to send a card in. Congratulations, man. Hey, Hunter. Hey. This is John Gruden with the Oakland Raiders. How you doing, man? Good, how are you doing, guys? Nice. Hey, we just made a trade in the in the draft. We're gonna make you a raider. You you, you fired up about that? I'm fired up. Clemson, I like it. That's great, man. We're we're killing it at Clemson, man. We're we're, we're gonna bring in Dabo Sweeney next. Hey Quentin. Yes, sir. This is John Gruden here with the Raiders, man. What's happening? You going on coach? You remember having dinner with me last week? Yes sir. That was worth that was worth the trip, wasn't it? Yes sir. Great, great food. We're getting ready to make our pick here in the seventh round. You wanna be a raider? Yes, sir, I do. I love to be a You're just getting drafted by the Silver and Black, brother. Congratulations.
0: Welcome back to Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Arrigo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. All right, Q, we talked about round one. We talked about the running back situation. Now let's get into round two, a guy that I brought up a little bit ago as a potential tone setter for the Raiders. And that is Clemson cornerback Trayvon Mullen this is a guy in his entire career at Clemson did not give up a touchdown over 800 pass attempts no touchdowns allowed um he was a guy that he made big plays um I think he had a a down junior year last season was like kind of a down year versus his his previous couple years but here's a guy that's been a starter that's been a lockdown corner and is a guy that fits physically his height weight over six foot over just about 200 pounds, a guy that is long, lengthy, can run, high football IQ, and again, a guy that's won at the collegiate level on a defense that was very, very good for a team that won two national titles out of the last three years. He's a guy that can flat-out ball. I actually really, really like this click. I know the Raiders loved him as well, and they were ecstatic to get him in round two. When they traded back, actually, Gruden thought he was going to lose out. That was something that he was worried about. May I told him to stay patient, trust the board, and it worked out for him.
2: Uh, it really did, and again, I like this pick as well. Uh, you mentioned he had a down year, but he came up big when it mattered. That was a national championship game. This dude had a sack. He had a couple tackles for loss. He had a big interception in helping Clemson win, beat the brakes off of the, the Alabama. He was a big dude. He was a big-time player, so he came up big when it counted the most, which was in the national championship game. I really like him for everything that you mentioned already. He's got the size, the, the, the strength, the length, speed. I mean, he can cover. If this guy – can be the dude that they think he could possibly be. If he could put in more performances like he did in the national championship game, if he could develop quickly in this Paul Gunther system and you're across from Gary on Conley, you could tell Conley, you, you you could go play that cat defense. Conley could say, I got this cat, and Mullen would say, I got that cat. You know what I mean? Like we're gonna shut <laughs> we're gonna shut these cats down. That's what I like. I like it when these guys have enough confidence where they could walk out there on the field and be like, all right man, cat defense. I got this cat, you got that cat. Let's go. That's what I'm looking forward to. But he's got to develop a little bit more. So we'll see what he does. But he's got the size. He's got the potential. He's got the football IQ. He's a, a, also another guy who's a leader. Been coached right. Dabo Sweeney again. Mad props to him. There's no you know, coincidence why the Raiders got so many guys from Clemson <laughs> on, on their roster and a guy from Alabama. I mean, that national championship game clearly weighed heavy on Mike Mayock. And that was the first game he saw as a GM of the Oakland Raiders.
0: Absolutely. And if you look at the depth chart now, with the Raiders secondary, you got Conley, as you mentioned, Worley, Mullen, fourth-round pick, Isaiah Johnson, yep. and not to mention Nick Nelson. Yep, Those are five really good, and they're all young corners. Mm-hmm. And in today's NFL, we're going to have teams like Arizona going five wide the majority of the time, four and five wide. Yep. And the way offenses are played, you need to have a lot of depth there. By adding Mullen and Johnson to a group that includes Conley, Worley, and Nelson, you actually have a really good young secondary in the corners to develop. And I think it just goes a long way to showing how the Raiders are really thinking moving forward, how these are young guys that we feel can actually impact games by not only their play, but they're young enough. That's gonna, they're going to be here for four or five years or longer in some instances.
2: Exactly. Right. Exactly. I don't know the last time that I could say that the Raiders had a really deep Defensive back room. I mean, I really don't know the last time that they had a deep defensive back room where they had quality dudes all over. I'm really high on Nick Nelson. Uh, he was the fourth round draft pick last year in 2018. I think he's going to end up being really, really good. He was injured uh, during the the workout pro, uh, process leading up to the draft of 2018. So he fell to the fourth round. But I think he's going to end up being a really, really good player. And then you add a guy like Mullins. You talked about Johnson. Uh, he, he's a guy who's got to develop some more as well. But if this, if these guys work out, I'm not going to say every one of them is going to work out. But if these guys do work out with their size, with their speed, Speed, with their football IQ, this could end up being a nasty defensive back room. And, again, guys that the Raiders are looking for, guys are looking for foundational players. Again, these guys are laying the foundation right now with the picks that they got in this draft.
0: Another pick that they had, and they obviously didn't have a third-round pick because the Raiders made a move around to the trade back a few times, added some fours. They added a guy that, if you listen to Mike Mayock, he said from the fall on, He has been on the phone with John Gruden about Mad Max Crosby from (laughs) Eastern Michigan. This is a guy who is a high-motor, high-effort guy, which is great, but he's productive. He just makes plays. And I don't care that he went to Eastern Michigan. Hell, what people don't realize is J.J. Watt went to Central Michigan as a tight end before he went to Wisconsin. There's been plenty of guys that come out of smaller schools or non-Power 5 schools, the group of five schools, that make impacts in the NFL. Max Crosby's a guy that's going to give you everything he has. He's going to step up to the plate. And he's made the comment to Gruden like, hey, you have clean and on one side. I'm going to do everything I can on the other to make sure that, that we have the best defensive ends in the game. He's a guy that exudes excitement and energy. And that's great for this defensive line because they're all young and they need that.
2: No, they really do, and and I like Mad Max a lot. I think he's a guy that's gonna have to hang out with Deuce Gruden a lot and uh, and, and put on some weight, you know, bulk up a lot, get get stronger, so he could be that dude. And uh, you you said it, man, you said it right. He's a guy that plays with high effort. He's a guy that will run around the field with his hair on fire. I mean, he's absolutely the definition of running around with his hair on fire. So that's what excites me about him. I think early on he could be a a a, a, a situational pass rusher. He's not much very, uh, not very good right now against the rush, but he is a good pass rusher. So if you have a guy in Cleveland Farrell on one end that could do, you know, stop the run and get after the quarterback, and then you have one guy that just comes in as a situational pass rusher that just knows one thing right now, how to get after the quarterback, that's pretty stinking good. I mean, that's you know, it's not everything that you want, but it's pretty good. It's a lot better than what you saw from the Raiders in 2018. So I think that this guy could have an early impact with the Raiders, but he'll just be a situational pass rusher as he develops, as his body develops, as he starts to, you know, really form himself into an NFL player. Right now, he's that high-effort guy. Soon, if he could develop and become that guy and strengthen himself
0: up, he could be a real quality NFL player. If you want a good comparison, look at Kyler Fackrell from the Green Bay Packers. They drafted him in the fourth round, I believe, two years ago. And his first couple of years, it was kind of like, uh, last year we let the team with over 10 sacks. Right. I think he had 10.5. Right. He's a guy that he took a while for him to get stronger, and I think you see the same thing with Max Crosby. I think Bakrill came from Utah State as well. Again, a Group of Five school, right. a smaller school. This is the core group of players that's gonna be guys that make impact on special teams. That when when your starters need a blow, they come in, and guys that are gonna compete till till they become starters. Some guys are gonna show out to the point where they're gonna start over guys that are picked higher than them. It happens all the time. I'll say this. If Arden Key is not getting to the quarterback this year and not finishing plays, I could see by week 10 or 11, Max Crosby taking that starting spot and Arden Key becomes a situational pass rusher, but I could see Crosby taking Arden Key's spot by week 10 or 11 if Key isn't producing.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's why it's great to have a guy like that in camp because he's going to push him. He's going to push him from training camp and Arden Key is going to know that, hey, this is not my position. This is not my position to hold on to. I got to earn this. And so again, Arden Key got to the quarterback a lot in 2018. He just never finished. He got one sack in 2018 after touching the quarterback like 10 times. I mean, he could have had multiple sacks. He only ended up with one. If he doesn't know how to finish, there's a guy that will, you know, and there's a guy right behind him that's going to be nipping at his heels and saying, hey, hey, man, I'm coming for you. I'm absolutely coming for you. So that's what I like, man. There's enough talent now on this team to to breed competition. You're not out there just by default because you're the only guys. You know, when you go out there to the hoop court on the on the cement, and you say, uh, who's the next five? And, and there's only five guys there. So you ain't got no options. There's options here. It's not just you're you're just in the game by default. You're in the game because you're talented enough to be in the game if you've earned that spot. That's the difference between the Raiders in 2018 and what the Raiders are going to be in 2019. They have legit talent on their team right now between what they've done in free agency and what they've done in the draft and these guys that, again, are high football guys, guys that love the game of football, guys that have high character, guys that have football IQ. That's what all these guys have. You know what that means? That means those guys are going to be like gym rats, guys that are, are – you're going to have to force them to go home. That's the kind of guys that they want to have. That's what an Oakland Raider is. That's what John Gruden's vision, Mike Mayock's vision is of an Oakland Raider, a guy who just loves the ball, who wants to be out there and play all the time, go, 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 wants to be the best. It's another reason why they brought Antonio Brown in. He's the guy who wants to be the best at everything. He says he wants to chase the goat. He wants to chase Jerry Rice. I mean, that's high expectations for a guy who's already accomplished. That's what – They're trying to breed that throughout the whole team, and it takes it takes guys here, it takes a guy there, it takes a guy there, a wide receiver, a DN, another DN, a safety, a running back. It's going to take patches of guys that love this game, love what they do, to to make that infectious, and you know, and and make other guys want to be that guy as well. That's why they're planting these seeds right now because they will grow. They just need these guys to go in there and bust their tails. I
0: call them Gruden Grinders, baby. You got me, brother.
2: That's what he calls them. That's what he calls them.
0: (laughs) My horrible Gruden impersonation. I apologize, John. Uh, Let's move on to the next pick in the fourth round. We mentioned him a little bit earlier. We'll talk about him right now. Isaiah Johnson out of Houston. Gruden actually considered taking him in the second round. He was worried whether or not he would be there in the fourth round. When he was available, I was told Gruden said he is the steal of the draft. Here's a guy that's 6'2", about 200 pounds, runs in the high 4'3", low four-fours, so height, weight, speed guy. But he's a guy that's pretty raw in terms of his technique and mm-hmm. what he does at cornerback. But, man, you get him, Conley, Mullen, you have long, lengthy cornerbacks now where I think Conley can really be kicked inside to the slot. And now you have length on the outside with speed and playmaking ability on the slots. The Raiders have the makeup of a very good secondary going forward.
2: They really do, and that's the thing about Conley. I'm glad you pointed that out. He can play on the inside or he can play on the outside. You know, he's very versatile, and that's what made him one of the most uh, highly sought-after uh, defensive backs when he came out in the draft. And if it wasn't for uh, off-the-field stuff, he would have been drafted a lot higher, and the Raiders probably wouldn't have had an opportunity to go get him, even though I was very skeptical when the Raiders took him. I'll I'll never, ever, ever lie and say that I wasn't. I was very skeptical when they took him at 24, but now it's starting to show, and it's starting to pay off on why they did do that. So that was one of Big Reggie's really good, uh, good picks even though it didn't look like it was a great pick at the moment, but uh, this guy's very versatile. He could do a lot of different things. I think Paul Gunther is going to like to be able to kick him inside, like you mentioned at times, and have some of these other guys, these younger guys, on the outside if they develop. If he sees what enough from them in practice, that's the thing about it, man. These guys got to show what they could do, obviously in training camp before the season starts, but also just in practice in general. They got to show that they deserve to be on the field, or else. You know they're not gonna have the luxury of being able to kick a Conley inside. You know they're gonna have to say, "Hey, you hold it down outside. This guy's gonna hold it down here." Nick Nelson can play the slot. That's good. You know, so there's there's options there. It's really good options. Worley's gonna have to really work his tail off, or he might not be on the field. You know, that's one of those things. He he was on the field last year. One, because he was pretty good, and two, because, well, the Raiders needed all the help they can get on the, uh, uh, you know, as far as the defensive backs go. This year, he's going to have to work his tail just to get off the, on the field.
0: I'm glad you mentioned practice, because I think what's going to benefit them the most at practice is they're going against Antonio Brown. They're going against Tyrell Williams. They're going against these guys that have had success in the NFL, in particular Brown, that's going to make them better with their, when they go one-on-one, when they go Indies, when they go seven-on. But when they go with, against each other in practice, Every single day, that's going to be the tall tale sign of how these young guys are doing. Because at the end of the day, if you practice against greatness, you're going to end up being great if you put the work in. Right. And you're going against Antonio Brown every single practice. You're going to have success. When you have teams like New England, when they go against Tom Brady every week, or in Green Bay, when that secondary goes against Aaron Rodgers, and there's opportunistic times, you make plays on the ball. That's what you want to have. And I think it's the same thing. If you're going one-on-one with arguably the best receiver in the NFL and you're one-on-one with him and you beat him in that drill, he's going to come back harder. You know that, so you got to go harder. And it's, it just becomes a big competition in practice. So then when you go against a Keenan Allen, no disrespect to Keenan Allen, or name a Denver Bronco wide receiver, or Sammy Watkins or somebody on Kansas City, when you go against one of those guys, you're like, oh, I got this I'm going against A.B. all week. Right. I'm straight. Yeah. So I think there's a different mentality that this secondary is going to have. And I think that's another benefit of having Antonio Brown on the roster.
2: No, it is. It absolutely is. It's going to prepare those defensive backs for what they're going to face. You know, you got like you mentioned Denver. They're going to have Cortland Sutton. You know, they're going to have guys like that. Uh, uh, you said Sammy Watkins. Uh, who knows what's going on with Tyreek Hill in Kansas City? But uh, you know, there's there's other weapons. You know, Jason Kel- or uh, Travis Kelsey. Excuse me, the uh, the tight end. You know, that's another thing that these uh, defensive backs are going to have to be ready for. And safeties going to have to ready be ready for these uh, these big tight ends. You know, there's a lot of different weapons that they're going to go up against throughout the year. If you look over that schedule and you look over who the wide receivers are going to be. These guys are going to have their hands full. But, like you mentioned, going up against one of the best in practice is going to only help them that much more. Will it prepare them 100%? No, it won't, but it'll get them really close. It'll get them to where they be. It'll make them at least confident of what they can do and confident of who they are going into that game where other times it looked like they're just kind of out there on an island by themselves and they don't really know what the hell's going on because they haven't really, they've been going up against Brandon LaFell and Marcel Aitman and you know what I mean? And cats like that. So (laughs) Seth Roberts, you know what I mean? And that's no disrespect to those guys, but they ain't AB. So they they can't really prepare them like that.
0: Well, the Raiders addressed a need with their final pick in the fourth round. And I think it could be a sneaky, good pick. And that's, LSU tight end, Foster Moreau. The reason why I think this could be a sneaky good pick, if you look at the history of LSU tight ends, especially recent history, they are non-existent in the pass game in college. They're excellent blockers. I mean, they they blocked their ass off. Look at Geis and look at Fournette and, and the rest of the LSU running backs who come out. And Moreau's an excellent blocker. But pass-catching-wise, he didn't get the opportunities at LSU, who's had quarterback problems probably up until this year as well, might I add, That most tight ends had in college. There hasn't been the production. I think this guy, we don't know what he can be as a pass catcher, but you're getting a damn good run blocker in Moreau.
2: You are. And the thing about him is I know he has really good hands. He used to go out there and, and actually do a lot of drills before the game with the wide receivers just because he, he wanted to do that role. But you're right, LSU guys aren't expected to do that. They're just not. I mean, they're they're that's not part of the offense. The tight end is not. I mean, they're there to block. So Leonard Fournette or Darius Geis or whoever, like you mentioned, can run behind them. So he's he's got that part of the game down. What I like about him, and I don't know what he's gonna end up being as far as just a player. But what I like about him is that he's highly respected. He's a guy that the team looked after, you know, followed after. Was a He was a leader of the team. He wore number 18 for a reason. There's a story behind number 18. It's not just a number, a random number that he decided he wanted to rock. That's the leadership number for LSU. If you're wearing 18, you're that guy. And funny, that actually started with Matt Flynn, who I think is the biggest joke that ever, you know, was ever donned the silver and black ever. But that's a whole nother story. But when he was at LSU, he won a national championship. He was the last guy, as far as quarterbacks, that led them to a national championship or a Sugar Bowl or whatever it was. I think it was a national championship. It was, yeah, because Jamarcus led him. Yeah, Jamarcus led him to the Sugar Bowl. But yeah, he was that guy. That was 18. That's who the tight end was. That's what his number was at LSU, was number 18. That's again going back to what Mike Mayock was looking for in this draft leadership. If nothing else, Foster Moreau is going to be one of those leaders. He's going to be one of those guys that's going to go out there and bust his tail and set an example of what a player needs to do, what you need to do to continue to get better and and master your craft. So that's what I really like about him is the fact that all the players – and look, LSU has dogs. They put, they put players in the league every single year. Out of all the players on LSU's team, the tight end was the guy who was wearing the leadership number of 18.
0: I didn't even know that. I'm honest. I had no idea – about the 18 in leadership, that's, wow, that's impressive. That's truly impressive.
2: That's just what I do. <laughs> and,
0: yeah, well, I will say I don't have the same opinion as, about Matt Flynn as you have. <laughs> um, I'm never going to knock somebody from getting their money, especially when Seattle paid him that money, and he was only there for a matter of weeks. <laughs> so Right. Um, but you brought up great hand And in round five, you actually brought him up at the end of our draft preview hunter renfro hell yes
2: hell yes
0: you brought him up saying you know what i would love hunter renfro and i said you know round four or five i can see that that'd be a great pick round five he was there the raiders traded up to get him and they got the guy who i think is going to give the afc west fits for the next 10 years and he's going to be a security blanket for Derek Carr, especially on third and seven or on, on, on third down situations where they need a tough catch He's the guy that's going to make it. I want to point this out, too. He had the smallest hands for any receiver at the NFL Combine. He did run a great 40, run in the 4.5s, I believe. He didn't have the best body, but the dude is just a football player and a catching machine, arguably the best hands in this draft. The Raiders got him in the fifth round, and I know for a fact Gruden, Mayock, and the rest of the Raiders' offensive coaches are related to have him.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I bet you him and Antonio Brown are going to have like some kind of competition going. Just, you know what I mean? Just debating on who has the best hands because he does have great hands. He doesn't drop passes. That's something that you have not been able to say when it comes to Raider wide receivers in the longest time. Don't drop passes. That's all these guys did. Michael Crabtree dropped passes, and uh, Amari Cooper dropped passes, Seth Roberts, we all know drop passes. I mean, all these guys <laughs> drop passes. Hunter Renfro don't drop passes. He just doesn't. I mean, Antonio Brown, he doesn't put anything on the ground. I think he had 105 targets in, in 2018 and dropped one. You know what I mean? He had 105 and dropped one. I can live with that. Hunter Renfro don't drop anything. So between those two guys, man, Derek Carr has to be doing backflips. And, man, he might, I don't even know if he was able to sleep after they drafted him because he has to be excited about that. This guys not, he's not going to be a liability. He's not an athletic specimen. He's not going to, you know, burn burn down the field. He's not going to, you know, take the top off the defense. He's not going to do any of that stuff. What he's going to do, Raider Nation, he's going to run really good routes. He's going to be where he's supposed to be, and he's going to catch the ball. Everything after, after that is gravy. He's going to make sure that what he's supposed to be doing, what they're paying him to do, he's going to do, which is catch the ball.
0: He's going to do the dirty work yep. that you need a receiver. You need a guy that's going to find the soft spot in the zone, sit down in it, move left or right if he needs to. He's going to find a way to get open. But what I love most about Hunter Renfro, and he did not say this, and I'm surprised, Hunter Renfro is clutch. Yep, He's a guy that comes up big in big situations. He's a guy... That at the end of the day, when you need a big play, go ask Alabama who got the ball from Deshaun Watson in the final seconds of the national title game a few years ago. Who was making the big catches last national title game against Alabama in the biggest stage when they needed big plays? He's a guy that just makes plays in the biggest situation. He doesn't let it get to him, and it seemed like he was in Clemson forever. He was like Ice Cube in Higher Learning. He's a super duper fish, you know, <laughs> like a super duper senior. Versus a fresh fish. He's a guy that from his freshman year on was the dude and came up big for Clemson. The Raiders get him in the fifth round. That is probably my second favorite selection for the Raiders because the first person I thought of Q was you. When they drafted him, I was like, damn, Q's going to love this pick. Yep. Admittedly, I was happy, but I was kind of sad because my boy Keyshawn Johnson was on the board. Yeah. You know, and I thought that would have been a great fit too. In fact, I tweeted at the Raiders draft Keyshawn no matter what
2: yeah I would have liked Keyshawn Johnson as well he ended up going in the sixth round Arizona but yeah uh, I I was very excited when Hunter Renfro was uh, traded for traded up for by the Raiders to go get him I was uh, very excited about that and again I mean I just think that this dude is really really gonna pay off to be a hell of a wide receiver for the Raiders I think Derek Carr is gonna really really reap the benefits of that I mean his whole career he's been plagued with guys that that drop passes I mean I can go through his whole career and give you his wide receivers that drop passes. You know what I mean? If I'm talking about Rod Streeter, I'm talking about Andre Holmes. I mean, you know, again, Seth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, so I don't even want to start opening that wound up again.
0: Also, Cooper. Cooper was dropping passes left and right.
2: Yep. All the time. All the time. From his rookie year on, he dropped a bunch of passes. So, yeah, everybody dropped passes for the silver and black. And now they're getting guys in that are, one, the other wide receivers are going to hold them, them accountable, the other guys. And, and you got guys that are sure-handed. you got guys like A.B. and Hunter Renfro. I'm so excited about Hunter Renfro. The two picks that were my favorite pick in the draft, and I'm a very defensive guy. I love defense. But my two favorite picks was Josh Jacobs and Hunter Renfro. Not going to lie to you. The first-round running back and the fifth-round wide receiver, those are my two favorite picks in the draft just for those obvious reasons. Jacobs is going to be a big-time playmaker on the offense, and Hunter Renfro don't drop passes. I'm so happy to see that.
0: Let's move to the seventh round. And the final pick of the draft for the Raiders, it's a former Raiders nephew. Remember running back Nick Bell from Iowa? He had so huge. He was like one of the first really, truly big backs. Him and Gerald Riggs, former Red Scanning. I think he he played on a bunch of other teams, too. Falcons, big running back out of Las Vegas, by the way. Nick Bell's nephew, Quentin Bell, who played at Prairie View A&M at HBCU, he's a freak. I watched him play in person this year when they came to Vegas and played UNLV, this is a guy who, quite frankly, came in as a receiver, switched to defense, he's up to 247, ran a (laughs) 4-3. That's nuts. Huge numbers, yeah. Nuts. And he's a guy that's going to be an edge rusher, a lot like Farrell and Key and and Crosby, but he's a guy that's going to help on the special teams as well. The Raiders got him in the seventh round, but what I like most about the pick has nothing to do with on-the-field stuff. It has everything to do with Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock, for years, as we know, worked at the NFL Network, and at the end of the last day of the draft, towards the end of the draft, they do stump the truck, where they'll say a name of a player, and they'll see if the the truck has that player's bio or even highlight package to air in case they get drafted. Mayock texted Rich Eisen right before the pick and was like, Quentin Bell, Prairie View A&M. As Eisen's reading it, he goes, why would he text me this on the air? Like, is this who he's going to take? The Raiders just selected him, and that pick thumped the truck. Yeah, That shows you the detail that Mayock went into scouting. It just shows that he wasn't there to take guys with big names. He was in there grinding and fighting guys at small schools. Bell is the guy that's going to get to the quarterback. He caused UNLV some problems this year. It was early in the year when UNLV was healthy. Their offensive line was healthy. They had two really good tackles. Um, guys that are that one of them's working out with Denver right now. Another one is going into his junior year and he gave them some problems early on. Their quarterback wasn't as mobile, you know, these, he probably would have had three or four sacks that game. He's a guy that can get out, get to the quarterback and create havoc as well as get out and run with tight ends if that needs to happen as well. I really like this pick as a sleeper pick going forward.
2: I do too, and I don't, I don't know what he's going to be. I don't know what, you know, what role he's going to play with the Raiders. Obviously, he's going to be a guy that's going to try to get after the quarterback. You mentioned special teams is something that he could do. But what I like about this pick is the fact that this dude was willing to change from a wide receiver to a DN. A wide receiver to a DN. Not a wide receiver to a defensive back, but a DN. That's impressive to me. That's one of those situations where, hey, I want to get on the field. I want to play. I know somewhere I belong, and I'm going to figure it out and have the the hunger and the 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 want to to get better and, and be that guy. So for him to be able to make that change, that's what I get excited about because then I know that he's a coachable dude. He's a guy that Gruden, Mayock, uh, Gunther can go to and say, hey. Quentin, this is what we need from you. Hey, this is how we need you to do this. This is the kind of bend we need to see from you. And he's going to go and work on that and work on that. And not just when everybody's watching. He's going to do that before practice, after practice, off to the side. I mean, he's going to be that guy that, again, gets there uh, first and leaves last. That's the kind of player that I get excited about because, I, and I'll root for him. I'll root, I don't, again, don't know what he's going to be. Not saying he's even going to make the team. He's got to go out and earn that in, in, in training camp. I mean, look, it sounds good. What we're talking about these players on paper looks great. All their all their highlights sound good, but now they got to go execute it during training camp to assure that they have a spot on this roster. But he's a guy that I'll be pulling for because I know he's got that in him. He's got that burn in his belly to continue to fight and fight and fight and earn his spot. Nothing's going to be given to him, and he's not asking for anything given to him, even though – He's been, you know, around the NFL, had a father played in the NFL, had a father that played for the Raiders. You know what I mean? So he's no, not that's
0: his uncle. That's his uncle.
2: My bad, my bad. Uncle, yeah. So he's not one of those guys that thinks, hey, this, is, you, this needs to be passed on to me. No. You got to go out there and, and make your own name for yourself, young man, and that's what I'll be rooting for.
0: I would like to see him and Farrell really become close friends and work with each other because I think that could be a dynamic duo. And you have Crosby. I would actually like to see Bell move to the outside as an outside backer and a rush backer, you know, using a lot, a lot of the ways that Derek Thomas was used with Kansas City right. back in the day. Rest in peace. You know, where you're, you're, yeah, rest in peace. Sad story with him. Phenomenal football player, human being across the board. In fact, if I have to do a comp with Derek Thomas from just everything across the board, it's Cleveland Farrell. Wow. Same type of background. Yeah, yeah. Military background. That, to me, is a good comp, and it just dawned on me when I mentioned his name. Um, but I, I'd like to see Bell and Farrell kind of link up in training camp and rookie camp early on and really go that extra mile with each other. That's just me, but I hope that happens. But that's the Raiders draft picks, and I don't do draft grades, but I really like what they did, and I think that you see now what Mike Mayak and John Gruden's vision for this Raiders team is, and they actually put a lot of thought about going into Vegas as well with the type of guys that they're bringing in that's not going to be caught up in the big lights of Las Vegas. The same way you have to have that same type of mentality for guys going to New York, New Orleans, Chicago, Miami, L.A. They've taken that into consideration as well, going to Vegas, and I really like this draft class from a talent standpoint and from what they did, where they went and got guys, how they found guys, and the type of character guys they brought in.
2: You know, I, I like that you mentioned the the fact that they thought about Vegas and they talked to the the players that they had they brought in. They brought in over 100 players in this whole draft process, and they asked every one of them about Vegas and if it was going to be a problem. And, of course, every one of them answered like, no, coach, it ain't going to be a problem. I, I love the fact that they asked that question. I saw on Twitter, and I don't remember who it was, so I apologize. I saw someone on Twitter that was really like almost – almost complaining about why in the hell would they ask that question? They don't need to ask that kind of question. They don't, you know what I mean? Like almost like it was like, yeah, they were like tripping that they even asked that question. And I'm thinking that's a smart question to ask, you know, because you could tell even with the answer is no coach, everything will be fine. You could tell you're a parent, Joe, you know, when you're, (laughs) when you, when your kid is telling you something, even if they're telling you the answer you think you want to hear, you could tell by the tone and the way that they're answering what their real answer is already. So Oh, when yeah. when when someone, you know, is asked that question and they respond, I love the fact that the Raiders asked them that because that is something to consider because hey, man, everybody don't make it in Vegas. Everybody don't. I ain't gotta tell you, you know. Everybody don't make it in Vegas. <laughs> it's it's a it's a tough city. It ain't for everybody, man. It ain't it ain't for everybody. And so that's a question I thought was very valid for them to ask. I didn't know why anybody was up in arms for them asking that.
0: when I found out they asked that question and what you just said, it reminded me of and I just watched the movie the last night on demand, The Hangover, when They find the bed hanging outside of Caesars. And the guy goes, what happened? He's like, I don't know. Some guys just can't handle Vegas. (laughs) And it's the truth. (laughs) It's the truth. And I'm glad they did because Vegas does have a lot of hiccups. And I said this when they first talked about relocating to after they were approved and fans, they're going to get in trouble. You can get in the same trouble in Los Angeles, New Orleans, Miami, New York, Chicago, all major markets, all known as party cities, Atlanta, another one just the same way you can get in trouble in Vegas. There's a stigma with Vegas, but I agree they needed to ask that question and it was important and pertinent they answered that question the right way because I believe it was Josh Jacobs or Cleveland Farrell that was like, nah, I have no problem with Vegas because they don't have any state tax. I know I'm getting more money.
2: Oh yeah, right? that was that was Josh Jacobs. And, and on top of that, he doubled down and said, I'm not spending any of my paycheck money. I'm only going to spend endorsement money.
0: Exactly. And that to me shows great intuitiveness on his part for a player, a young man to say that before he even gets drafted to me, that shows, okay, this kid gets it. He's not one of those. Well, like, nah, well, I plan on doing this. No. I mean, believe me, I'm out and about in Vegas. I've been to the opening of chaos, which is the brand new clubs at the palms that they invested like $130 million into. It is the club to go to in Vegas. I was there the soft opening and I was there two days later at the night where Cardi B, who has a residency there, and Marshmello was there. He's a resident DJ. And G.E.V. and Jay Blevin or Belvin, or whatever his name is, was there. That, that's who was there the opening night. I'm there in the VIP section, you know, hanging out with former NBA player Marcus Banks, TQ, and some other athletes. That is one of the distractions. You go to Dre's. You can go to Marquee. You can go to an assortment of strip clubs. You can go to those in any other city. But in Vegas, it's just different because it's Vegas. Because the associated name with Vegas is partying in Sin City. It's not even like that all the time. For the most part, you catch most locals and most people living in Vegas hanging out in Summerlin. Right. Which is a more affluent town, but it's it's also one where, like, you go to Red Rock Casino, you can run into so many celebrities, but they're there just chilling. They don't need to go down to the strip. Yeah. You know, go down downtown Summerlin, you go to the mall, you go catch a Las Vegas Aviators game, which is right next to Red Rock Casino, right by um, downtown Summerlin, right next to the Golden Knights training facility. That's all in one location. That's the next part of town that's booming. But that's also the town where you're local, you go there and hang out because you don't want to be bothered with all the visitors that come in every weekend. You just go hang out over there. I think you're going to see more Raiders hanging out there and more of these young guys hanging out there than you would down at the Strip. At a place like chaos or marquee or Dre's or one oak or whatever club you decide to go to for that night so i'm glad the raiders did ask that question and i didn't mean to plug all those places it's all good but i thankfully i'm thankfully glad i did because i get love in all those places <laughs> so appreciate the love i get from my all my hosts and everybody down there okay so what i want to do now is take a quick break you let's transition and get into some of the undrafted guys they signed and some other raider news we have got going on as well as listener questions Uh, the next portion of the Q&A. So hang tight. Listen to what these guys got to say. We'll come back with even more Q&A on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network powered by SB Nation.